In a world filled with movie podcasts, three critics from the juggernaut media market of San Antonio decided to change the entire course of the internet. A feat attempted by many and conquered by many to produce a relatively listenable podcast. Devastating truth bombs. Brace yourselves, guys. The Muppets are puppets. You know that, right? <laughs> no! Wait! Oh, okay. no, They're puppets. Don't ruin it! And... <laughs> Muppets is, are puppets. This is kind of... <laughs> Hard facts. Yeah, not Kevin Feige or Feig, whatever, but... I think it's Feige. Is it really? I have no idea. <laughs> Asking the important questions. What is that? What, what was that that I just saw right now? It was like a fat Iron Man. That's it's a Hulkbuster. Hulkbuster armor. That's, that's, that's how he fights the Iron Man. <laughs> this is the Cinesnob Podcast. Welcome to episode 104 of the Cinesnob Podcast. I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. I was just reaching for my water, and I realized I moved it to the other table while I was waiting for you. So mm, that's it's, unfortunate. It's all, we're already off to a terrible start. So hold on a second. I'm gonna I'm gonna reach across the room and, and grab my water. So uh, maybe you okay. Can, uh, Do you want me to hold down the fort? Just you know, <laughs> talk about uh, the politics of the week or something. So hold on. Okay, cool. Oh, oh. Welcome to the hard line with Cody Viafon. Oh, are you back? <laughs> Damn it. No, I was introducing my new show, The Hardline, with Cody Viafania, and then it, uh, oh. you, you you hit me back in the uh, in the intro, so I didn't get to get it underway. What I had some. The, uh, uh, what's the stance of The Hardline? Well, it was just piping hot takes, but we'll never know. So, anything new this week, Cody? No, I, I, you know, I'm, the world has been just kind of going about its daily thing, and uh, uh, all I care about is movies, so uh, I don't know. Hey, you know what? Since all we care about is movies here, we're not going to talk any politics. Um, mm-hmm. I noticed uh, that uh, you guys with Cinema on Tap are, are, are moving right along. You got a nice, uh, fancy uh, movie screen, right? Yeah, yeah. First piece of the puzzle purchased uh, thanks to our grant that we won from awesome san antonio we've got ourselves a 200 inch screen coming Ooh, which is quite what is large that, what is that uh like what does that measure out to like feet wise i can't do it's that. like 12 feet but um but well basically the most important aspect of it is it's like 13 feet tall and 20 feet wide so okay I could do it's a, the it's math a big on end. that, like as a if I Pythagorean theorem, I could try to figure out that that uh, hypotenuse. But well, um, it's weird because like I don't I don't know how to trust it, the the math on some of these things on Amazon. Like I think that they're trying to make things seem more impressive than they are um, because isn't always, you know isn't that always the way with measurements. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah, I mean because right? the viewing. Yeah, you're right. So the um, the viewing area is 200 inches, but it's a 24 foot diagonal. But it's got like some borders and stuff on it. So really, the the way that I describe it is, it's 13 feet tall, 20 feet wide, and eight feet deep. <laughs> the depth is all that matters, my friend. It always does. It's like girth. I don't know. Yeah. So uh, you're gonna have a projector for that too, right? You know, like yeah. Yeah, that's like that's upcoming your too. Own, your own little rolling road show there. Yeah, that's what we're trying. So if you got a few buckaroonies to, uh, you got some extra scratch, anyone out there? Um, 
you can go to gofundme.com slash cinema on tap and we're also going to be selling shirts here soon where we're going to take the proceeds and funnel it back into the the equipment so uh be on the lookout for that shortly be, uh setting that up at like when you go tailgating for utsa football games uh not when we go tailgating but probably for road games we'll probably have some try to have some watch parties with uh with uh i haven't named the screen yet but when i name it i'll have a it'll have a cool name but oh, uh but yeah name? probably i mean can, don't you have like to a guy a guy's name or a girl's name i don't know i um i mean i think probably a girl's name but um are you gonna name the screen know. and the projector or are you gonna give it the whole rig one name I don't know. I'm thinking about like naming both of them, but have them be like a like a famous movie duo of some kind, you know, like Bonnie and Clyde or something like that. But obviously not those. How about Dale and Brennan? That's that's not a bad one. Yeah. See, that's I was thinking about Step Brothers when I was driving back from San Antonio today. I don't know why. Probably because it's been on like Stars or something the last two weeks. And I keep dropping in on it. It's a hard one to pass up when it's on. Yeah, I usually uh, uh, end up doing something else, but I'll, I'll watch at least through uh, the uh, Prestige Worldwide presentation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I don't really remember the like. I, I've seen that scene like five times in the last month, I think. So anyway. Um, so, uh, I went to a couple Fathom events this week. I know uh, we talked about it last week, but uh, what's that? What was that noise? Oh, that was, uh, that was me being impressed. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, um, we, uh, we, they uh, screened for us the uh, Batman and Harley Quinn, which has not been getting kind reviews online, if you've read any reviews of it. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't as bad as The Killing Joke. But uh, lots of people are upset with this uh, this movie, um, kind of over-sexualizing Harley Quinn, which I didn't think was a thing you could do, since that kind of always seemed to be the character to me. But, you know. Anyway, another one we saw I saw was uh, the Rift Tracks Live Doctor Who, The Five Doctors. And I remember texting you, uh, or sending you a message saying that it was uh, a lot uh, nerdier than, than the crowds have been in the past. Yes. I don't know what your experience with Doctor Who is, but uh I mean literally nothing. Yeah, it tends to I, I don't I've tried to watch one of the newer episodes and it, I don't get it, but it uh tends to draw out the uh more dedicated nerds. And uh there were many, many of them this time. But a cool thing is um this was their last live show of the year, but they're doing a rebroadcast. I don't know if you saw it a few years ago of uh the the original George A. Romero Night of the Living Dead. They're doing uh, I did not show. So, That's cool. Uh, you can check that out. I believe it's October 25th. I'd have to look that up. So, I don't have it in front of me. So you can get those tickets at FathomEvents.com. Thanks again to Fathom Events. They're doing uh, something else cool. I can't remember what. God damn it. I always see the cool trailers, and I want to bring them up to you, and I forget. So... So, so that's a good segment right there, me forgetting about that, what I saw. Yeah, that's a great segment. One of our best. I'm getting old, so... It happens. Uh, hey, uh, uh, you want to go ahead and move on to news? It's time for the Real Rundown, recapping this week in movie news. All right, this week, a uh, sort of bombshell dropped on the uh, 
movie-going nerd public, uh, the service known as MoviePass lowered its prices to nine ninety nine a month. Uh, and if you don't know what MoviePass is, it, uh, I guess its closest analog would be sort of a uh, subscription service, sort of like Netflix. Like you can see an unlimited, well, oh, I guess a movie a day for the whole month for the cost of only nine ninety nine. Uh, which is something that kind of sent shockwaves through the uh, movie internet. Uh, I believe uh, both of us signed up for it just to see, just to give it a go. Yes. Uh, you do you have some details on this, Cody? Oh yeah. So basically, um, MoviePass has been a service that's been around for a couple of years now, probably like four or five years actually. Um, that has varied in price uh, up to like forty or fifty dollars. I think it was most recently about forty dollars, where you get to go to a movie once a day, um, and uh, the clock resets at midnight. So you can—it's literally every calendar day you get one movie that you get to see in theaters. Uh, it's for two D only, and um, currently you're not allowed to see the same movie twice. And those are the the couple of restrictions there. Um, but it works at most theaters. It works like a debit card. You just swipe it. Um, like you would any other card. And uh, it's, uh, you know, previously it was $40, and so the bombshell that dropped was that the price was going down to nine ninety nine a month, meaning uh, you could get a movie a day at the theater, first-run movies, uh, for uh, $9.99. So you could ultimately, if you if you were crazy, you could see 30 movies for $9.99 a month. So um, it was kind of crazy, you know, first of all, everyone thinking it's a scam first because it sounds too good to be true. Um, and, you know, what's the catch? What's the hook? And then, um, you know, everything crashed. I, I signed up pretty early, but the website's been down and crashing for days now. Um, I don't think they anticipated how many people were signing up. But, you know, once you once you started reading a little bit, and I read interviews with this guy. So the guy who, who is in charge of MoviePass was one of, I think he was a co-founder of Netflix, right? Um, I don't know if he was a co-founder, but he was an initial investor. Uh, yeah, in, that, in Redbox as well. Redbox, yeah, yeah. So but, he's uh, been doing this kind of thing for a while. The uh, I guess the catch is, if you want to, you know, put a finer point on it, the catch is that this is a company that knows they're going to lose money, and they're hoping to monetize the uh, the data they get from you, the information that they can sell, because they they. They sold a majority stake or, or a huge stake of the company, whatever it was I read, to some uh, data and analytics analytics company uh, in order to raise cash, um, which they're going to be burning through because I, I assume basically if you use it once a month, you're at best breaking – they're at best breaking even. I mean a movie probably is about 10 bucks, right, across the country? Unless you're I would say – yeah, I would say so. I mean, so so at best they're they're breaking even. At worst they're losing what is it, 3000% a month. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I think yeah, and I think they figure that the average customer is probably only going to see a few movies a month with that, but you know, if you read there's a really great interview with them on with the um with the founder, I can't remember his name right now. Um on Yahoo Movies where he talks about how they can make this possible, which is you know, first and foremost, the company sold a majority stake to, or a, some kind of stake to, an analytics company. So, right. 
all of the data that's coming in is going to be analyzed about movie watching habits, what people are watching, what they're not watching, what they're going to, and all of that. But also, you know, this is going to be now used as, you know, if the idea is that their subscribership grows into the millions, I think prior to this, they only had like 20,000 subscribers. Uh, I think by the end of day on Tuesday when they announced this, they had 500,000 unique visitors that day. But um, yeah. But um, the idea is that once it grows and people use this app, because you have to use this app in order to get your ticket. So everyone's going to be opening the app. So the idea is that you sell marketing uh, pieces uh, to with with like movie studios. Also, with theaters, the idea is that people are spending less on tickets. They'll spend more on concessions where the movie theater makes all that money. So, uh, but not every movie theater chain, as we found out. Well, yeah, uh, uh, you know, AMC um, came out pretty strongly against it. Uh, Did they threaten a lawsuit or they just... I can't remember. Uh, I don't know if they threatened lawsuit, but they threatened not to take it, which I don't know how they could because it's a debit card and it functions as a debit card. But the the confusing thing about it was that, and, and maybe we didn't explain this yet, but MoviePass is paying full price for every ticket. So the theater is getting the money no matter what. And so there are reasons you can think of as to why a movie comp- a movie theater corporation may not like it, but at the end of the day, they're getting their money's worth. I think the the argument from them was that that it it won't uh, it'll tarnish the movie going experience, and I, I mean, I assume that's certainly a possibility if this becomes a, a problem when you know what I what I envision for this pro- program, and you know, this is just my uh, hot take on it is. In six months, this thing is gonna just die, you know. And if and if it if it comes to that where you know this thing is burning through money, it's unsustainable. Because I, I honestly I don't know how much the data is worth. You know, there's already uh, companies like Fandango gathering this data. You know, unless they're serving ads in the app or something like that, which is the idea. Extra money, right? Uh, you know, so that's not just data. That's actual. Um, you know. Uh, ad revenue um but you know if if something happens if there's a hitch along the way because the idea is you you reserve the ticket in the app right and then the app uh movie pass charges up your debit card and then you pay for it on site right correct so if something if you lose something in that window say if the app doesn't properly reserve it which i guess is a you know i guess is a possibility i don't know i don't i don't know how it necessarily works if you haven't paid for the ticket how you get it reserved because uh you know i i don't well well like i said it's like any other app like fandango or adam or movietickets.com where it's not necessarily the app d- designed for the company but you can still reserve your seats on reserve seating within those apps. So, but you pay, but you pay right there though in those apps. Right. But I, I do think that you can reserve seats with, uh, I, I could be wrong about this, but I don't think you have to purchase at the box office. I think if it has reserved seating, um, at that theater and in the app, you may be able to pay from your phone. I'm not entirely sure about that. See, I, okay. Then maybe I'm misunderstanding because it, it, it's not a, either way. It's not an 
it's not a super elegant experience. You know, you can't just pay it, it, if it if you have to reserve on the phone and then go pay in the theater or whatever. Um, you know, I guess that uh, eventually, you know, MoviePass could start kind of rejecting or uh, any any theater that wants to revolt could just reject these charges in mass. You know, because I'm, I'm assuming they're going to come from the same account. I don't know if they're going to have, you know, 10,000 different, you know, 50,000 different MasterCards they're handing out or whatever it is. I, I you know, I, I don't know. There, there's there's all kinds of unknowns here to me because it's such a kind of convoluted system. Um, I, I can see how it how errors could easily happen. And that may, you know, turn people off. Uh, you know, the movie theaters don't want anything else to turn people off to going to the movies. You know, it's so hard to get people well, out anyway. I, I just don't see any way how people would go to the movies less with this. Because one of the one of the things that was made, and I think this is an important facet of it, is that people are going to go see their blockbusters no matter what. And they can use their movie pa- passes for blockbusters, but... The the average person, I think, is going to say, I have this movie pass here. I don't want to waste it. I'm paying for it. I need to make use of it. And so they're going to start looking to smaller movies that they may not normally see otherwise and go to them. So it could be a huge boon for independent film and smaller low-budget movies or smaller low-budget uh, you know, distributors or movie companies trying to make their mark by putting some money into it, into the app. But you know, the idea behind it is that it should be getting people going to the movies even more because now they have this pass that they can use and see something they may not otherwise see because tickets are so high. The movie theaters are getting the money in full price. The consumer's winning and movie pass is winning if they get revenue streams. So like it's everyone's benefiting from it here in an ideal world where everything goes right. Yeah. I, you know, the, 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 um, the thing I guess is, is, troubling to me or potentially troubling to me is just that if it's not easy to use i don't know why you would use it you know if if you're if the average person is going to a movie once a month um you know you're gonna live and die by how how easy the app is to use and you know fandango is easy to use movietickets.com is easy to use because you're you're literally buying it there and if 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 it adds an extra step and if if you know, maybe I'm not clear on that. Maybe I'm wrong, but that seemed to be the 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 gist of it. That these are paid for with your personal movie pass card. But I don't think that's the kind of person that this program is designed for. I don't think it's designed for the person who's going to go once a month. I think it's designed I, for the I, person I who would go every week. Which I mean, really, it's it's an extra step. But it says it, it if it's as described, it's as simple as when you get to the theater, you check in on the app. And then instantaneously, your debit card is loaded with the correct amount for the ticket, and you go to the box office and you swipe, and that's it. I get it, but the, they're they're not banking on people. This is like a gym membership. It feels like they're not banking on people actually using it, like to make money. Like those are gonna, those are their loss leaders. You know, the people that are going to use it every month. That's the people that like that are they're going to use it no matter what, and they're going to get their money's worth or more than their money's worth. They're banking on people signing up and not taking advantage of everything because everybody that because they're they're you know on someone that sees 30 movies a month they're losing you know 29 they're losing every every money every film that person sees 
But if they have someone that signs up and never goes or signs up and goes once a month, then, you know, to a matinee or whatever, then there there's the money that they're making. Um, but if you if you complicate it for someone, you won't ever get those people to to stay. You know what I mean? Unless it's something that you're going to, you know, sign up for a year and forget about it. I, I understand I that. But also, I don't any. I don't think anyone's going to go. Ah, screw this! I'm never going to go to the movies again because of that experience. They'll just cancel their movie pass membership and still know, go to the movies. Right, but you know, just, this is more. I'm look. I'm talking more about the fate of this app or this service than than the actual movie theater thing right now. So, I I, I think it'll it'll draw more people out. That you know, it'll the people that uh, I, can you even is it even possible to see thirty movies a month? Like in, um, town. I mean, like in L.A., I'm sure it is, in New York, but could you well, go see 30 movies a month? Probably, probably not. You could probably get pretty close if you're if you're thinking that every week at least three movies come out, and then some specialty movies in other places. Or honestly, you you probably could if you went to like the Dollar Theater a lot and caught second run movies. Well, um, what I'm saying is that. You know, eventually you'd you'd catch up, unless you're in you know like a like I said like a big uh, metropolitan city like New York or LA <laughs> where you know there's going to be some you know foreign releases that that aren't in you know in the middle of the country. True, but after two visits, your your membership has more than paid for itself. Right. I, I in I, in I, some I, cases in one. Yeah, I just there there's a lot about this that that is it's too good to be true because it, it literally is too good to be true. Like it's the, the reason it's too good to be true is because they're taking massive, they're going to take massive, massive losses. Like they're, they're just Santa clausing you, you know, the potential of 30 movies a month for essentially the price of one or less than the price of one. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't see a downside for the consumer except that, that this thing would come to an end sooner than you would like it to, you know, you'd eventually they're going to run out of money and they're not going to be making any money. I, unless, you know, the guy's just a crazy person and wants to just keep burning money for years and years and years. But, well, I think, I think that if the revenue streams work in the way that they are hoping that it will, um, it could it could be sustainable. I don't know how much profit they'll make, but I mean, again, if you have a direct line to a couple million people who are buying movie tickets and opening the app, you know, often, and, and not only is it a direct line to people who have the app, but it's a direct line of people who can go see any movie they want any day of the week. Then I think that movie studios will definitely want to throw money at, at revenue at um at advertising within the app because i mean that's that's a direct line it's not one of those things where like you know you show tvs on sports center or whatever or i'm show show tv ads on sports center and you hope that someone who's interested watches you're getting a million i mean assuming the subscribership numbers go up you're getting millions of people who are opening the app specifically to go see a movie so to me it's no, it I, makes I, perfect I, sense but i get it it just it it feels a little you know, ahead of its time, maybe not ahead of its time, but just unsustainable, maybe. 
look, I, I'm willing to give it a shot. I don't know how many times I'll ever use it, so I, they'll probably I'll be one of their valued users since we see a lot of stuff for free at screenings anyway. But it's it just feels it feels like like ah oh, you know what I'll give this a shot. But it's like the restaurant that opens in the you know too nice building and makes too good of food and in the wrong part of town. You know, like this I'll try this, but I'll enjoy the ride while it lasts and then it'll just kind of fall apart. I'm a little more nihilistic about it than you are. I know how I know how much you want the movie going business to be revolutionized, but I think it's a dinosaur that's never going to change. Well, I all I know is that it has the potential to have far-reaching impacts on the way that people watch movies and the type of movies that people watch. If I mean, think about it. I mean, if you could just say, if you can talk to people with the movie pass and say, hey, there's this really great small movie that's showing, use your movie pass and go check it out. It's so much easier than to be like, you know, spend $14 on a movie that you've never heard of with nobody you've never heard of, whatever. So I, I like to be an idealist when it comes to that and think that, these things can make a difference in the types of people, the types of movies that people watch and their frequency and, and, and their willingness to check out something different. So, you know, to me, if, if that's an idea that can push it forward, I'm all for it. And then on the other thing, like I'm, I'll, I'll use the hell out of it. Like we're both getting it. I know that this will, I mean, increase the, the amount of movies I already go to tremendously because if I miss anything, I can just go and check it out and not have to worry about spending thousands of dollars. We have one friend, mutual friend in particular, who, I don't know, I, I messaged him, and I was like, hey, are you? did you hear about MoviePass? And he's like, yeah, I, I don't know. I may get it. I, I don't know yet. And I'm like, are you serious? You you go every day. You, you drive to Austin <laughs> once a week to go watch a movie. Yeah. Like how? Yeah, I don't know how he would, uh, how he would not. I, I know who you're talking about. And he does see tons and tons of movies i don't know how it's cost how it wouldn't be how it wouldn't just like slice his movie going budget movie going expenses like three thousand percent or whatever it's going to be i mean the most he'll spend on it is gas and i guess if he gets a meal at the draft house on lamar that he's always at he makes that drive a lot uh and you know god bless him for doing it but yeah it would it's it would save him so much money he knows who he is. Does he listen? Yeah, he does. He listens. Okay. Nah, I don't know if he listens anymore. That's Brian. <laughs> Brian. It's Brian. Brian, buy a movie pass. Come on, man. You, you go yeah, to what are you doing and not getting it? This this was Taylor, literally, pun intended, made for you. Uh, yeah, come on, Brian. What are you doing? Anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I feel... Look, I get what you're saying, and I, I get that. I think that that, that, that revolution, though, is, is in streaming. I really do. I think that you know the this is until they can movies. until they can find a way to price it properly. That the streaming thing is never going to take off. I mean, even like they're talking about now how Apple wants to show like first run movies for fifty bucks. Who the hell is going to pay fifty dollars to watch a movie in their living room? I just cannot well, imagine that that happens. I well, I don't know. Streaming to me, I've made this claim before that the fact that it's the the pigs in Animal Farm where all of a sudden they're going to start walking on their hind legs and we're just going to be like, fuck, we fell for it again. Because it's just going to... It's just turning into Cable Part 2. Um, now, Apple, Apple's producing their own 
like original shows too. That it finally means I can maybe pitch a show to them, but you know, I don't, I don't know where the hell you watch an Apple show. Where do you, where would you watch an Apple show? Would you have to do it on your Apple TV? I would assume or, so, yeah. Or on your iPhone, because like there's no Apple service on like a Roku. I, Apple Apple has this amazing way of of being the most inclusive thing ever they do you realize it took them until just recently to add amazon uh yeah amazon prime to their uh apple Mm -hmm. tv that's one of the Mm -hmm. reasons i got rid of my apple tv was because it didn't have amazon prime i don't i don't get it i don't either everything has to be proprietary like it's like it's it's just like this inclusive club that i like i love my macbook but i I'm not getting. I don't. Oh, I don't wait, like any other saying, Apple I products. I don't think you're using the word right. Inclusive would mean they welcome everybody. I think you mean uh, Ex- exclusionary. Excuse me. Yeah. Okay. I was like, what are you saying? Wait, what? I, I'm looking at my my. Yeah, I've got <laughs> my my Mac here and my iPhone and all that other shit, but I don't want to watch carpool karaoke or whatever the fuck show they've made. I think they have it. Don't they have the carpool karaoke series, or is that some? That's else? on Apple Music, I think. I don't know what that is. Is that you can watch? Apple Music Apple is Music? like Spotify for for Apple. Oh yeah, I have that, but you can watch TV on it now. Uh, as far as I know, carpool karaoke is an Apple Music show, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't understand that. See, now I'm lost because I don't know what all this terminology means. That makes no sense to me. Because Apple Music is like, it's like it's mixed in with iTunes now. So like right. the shit that that I've put on iTunes is mixed in with. Well, I have Music iTunes open. App. Yeah, I have iTunes open right now, and it says Carpool Karaoke exclusively on Apple Music. Ugh, I don't understand. I feel like an old man right now. I'm getting like passed by here. Anyway, uh, Movie Pass nine ninety nine. If you want to sign up, you can go to moviepass.com. They're not a sponsor, but that's where it's at. We'll see how it goes. I'm I'm curious to see if how the process works. That's my biggest concern: is is the process going to be difficult, or or are theater chains going to make it difficult on purpose? Because they want that data. I wonder how much. I wonder seriously how much they think the data is valued at. Because if so, like something like Fandango should be making a killing because they ha- probably have. I assume they have the lion's share of this this business as it is, right? Probably the most well known one. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to find. A- Earlier, they they posted how much this company paid for Movie Pass. I'm trying to find it here. Financial breaking financial news. Cody is looking up uh, terms of a majority sale of uh, MoviePass.com <laughs> to um, some sort of analytics firm. I can't remember what they called it, but what it's called. But anything? Nothing. I'm looking. <laughs> well, uh, do you mind if uh, if we move on? Yes, um, I do. I would like to. No, yes, that's fine. 
Okay. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to reviews. Here are this week's reviews. First up this week, we've got Brigsby Bear. We're safer now, but I let the whole galaxy down. I don't get it. The prophecy said if we activate the Sordis Crystal inside the temple, we could destroy Sun Snatcher. Perhaps there's a lesson here, Brigsby. When solving for X on a one-dimensional plane where minus one by the magnitude of one equals minus X, always solve for vector R. Until our next adventure, remember, prophecy is meaningless. Trust only your familial unit. And please, discard leftover food rations in the yellow bin, not the red one. Goodbye! That's it! Hey guys, James here. Um, first of all, episode 34, volume 25. I put the recap up. So um, there's already a great comment section there and I recommend all of you guys go check that out immediately. Also, um, as some of you guys know, I've been studying the old Brixby volumes going way back to the first Quest Wars when we initially meet the evildoer himself, AKA Sun Snatcher. Obviously, Snatcher always gets away. But Brigsby never gives up, and, and, and I, I'm, I'm not giving up either, and I've actually come up with some new ideas that I really want to tell you guys about, but I, I'm not, let's just say, let's just say that I'm, I'm onto something pretty big. Um, so stay tuned for that, and of course, as always, until our next adventure. <laughs> Brigsby Bear Adventures is a children's TV show produced for an audience of one, James. When the show abruptly ends, James' life changes forever, and he sets out to finish the story himself. So we both saw this movie this week, um, unlike the other movies we're going to talk about. Uh, this is something that uh, I think we both had uh, similar opinions on. Cody, what did you think of Brigsby Bear? Well, I'm going to be careful about how I talk about this movie, because a couple times a year there's a, there's there are a couple movies where... You, less is more when you're talking about the movie. Um, I agree. You want you want to know as little as possible about it when you're going into it. Like the one I love from a couple of years ago was a great example of a movie where it's like, mm, I don't really want to say too much about it. And this is a similar one because I, usually I don't like ambiguous trailers where you don't, you're like, what's the plot of this thing? This I think the trailer of this movie actually sells it pretty well because it gives you nothing but you see it's a little weird and a little different. Um, so I don't want to say too much about the plot of the movie. Suffice to say, it's a plot that I was really enjoying. I love the way that the first like 20 minutes of this movie unfolds. Um, it's it's unique, and it's something that could have been really dark. And the the you know it, it could have been very, very dark. And instead, they take a different route with it. And by putting levity in some of these moments, it creates something that's really genuine and feels, um, you know, a lot of times when you have something that might be a little emotional, um, it doesn't feel like it's earned. And I feel like this movie earns every emotional moment that it gets. Um, I think that it is a, it, there are some funny parts. I, I would hesitate to call it a comedy. I think that it's got a lot of drama to it. 
Um, but there are a lot of comedic aspects. I don't think it's a perfect movie. I think that there's a lot in terms of characterization. Like Greg Kinnear is in the movie, and I, I, I like him in the movie. I don't know that his character is fully fleshed out. Um, and uh, the movie is a little, um, I, I guess, a little... It hit it's hit it hit certain notes that that I think you would expect to be hit, but uh, other than that, I mean, I I found myself really enjoying it. I think the payoff of it is really great. I think that the setup is really great, um, and I think that it's a really unique voice, and you don't get a lot of that anymore. Where you where you watch something and you're like, wow, this feels different than everything else that's out there, and I think this movie accomplishes that. I don't say it very often because it's not a sentiment I have very often. But this is a movie that I felt like could have been another half hour longer, you know. Yeah, if, I agree. If uh, you know, there, there's some things that I feel like don't get as fleshed out as they need to be, um, you know, not in a, not in a bad way and not in a way that ruins anything, but in a way that that you know feels like maybe they, you know, it's it feels like a low budget movie, and I don't know how low budget it is. Um, you know, it's, it's co-produced by, uh, the Lonely Island and Lord and Miller. So I think that those people have a, you know, pretty, pretty big pull, but, um, uh, it is, uh, stars Kyle Mooney from SNL, if you don't know, who really comes across as kind of, a. I couldn't help but see he was, he felt like Garth in Wayne's world a little bit, like, yeah. a, like a more grounded version of Garth. Like just kind of this sweet nerd character, and look, this plays into one of my favorite themes, and one of the things I've told you about um, that is my one of my most nostalgic feelings for the '90s, and I think I've talked about this on the show before. But the idea that 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 this fandom you have for things, this this love of pop culture, of certain aspects of it, and you feel like it's only created for you. Uh, yeah, that was part of the thing in the '90s. Like with, like I mentioned before, I think I mentioned before with stuff like Space Ghost Coast to Coast, and even uh, early Late Night with Conan O'Brien. Like you feel like you're the only person in the world watching this, and the people that you can connect with, you share this deep connection with, uh, because it's this like this language that only a couple of you speak. And this movie captures that in a way, and we I won't. Again, I, I don't want to spoil it either. It, someone asked me how this movie was, like what it was about, and I had to describe it in like the like I like I described this summary, which is actually from the the official summary of the film, in this mm-hmm. little, super vague terms because like you said, the surprise of it, the first 20 minutes of it, the reveal of what's what you know, kicks the plot into motion is really interesting. It uh, is. You know, the 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 film starts out uh, you know, the first shots you get are like a a VHS tape tracking with this this show that's uh, it's Briggs the Brigsby Bear uh, adventures. It, I guess I've seen it described as kind of like a, a cross between Barney and Doctor Who, <laughs> <laughs> which I I think is pretty apt. And it's you know it's it's this character Kyle Mooney's character uh, uh, James experiencing this this intense love for this show and and spreading you know the the in gospel of it and stuff and and it, and then when it comes to an end he goes on to create it's basically fan fiction you know he he's re- finishing the show 
And it's just, it's really sweet. Like there's no, there's no real mean notes in it. Um, you know, I don't know that, that that makes it better or worse. You know, I, I don't think it really needed any conflict. Like I said, I just wish it was longer. You know, I liked Greg Kinnear's character. Like you say, I think his, though, I think his kind of turn from what he starts out as, and he doesn't change a lot, but to where he ends up in the film, I think needed more. And I think I needed more with kind of uh, people learning about Brigsby Bear, what Brigsby Bear was, because you get the sense that this is a, you know, a viral video thing that's spreading, but you don't really get a, a, a sense of the scope. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, you know, I also could have, I think it could have been maybe like 10% darker. Um, yeah. I think that there, there's implications of the film that hint towards a certain darkness. And I get the idea that they were trying to stay pure and sweet and, um, and keep that tone. But I think that there, there is an element here of, of, of darkness that is, um, cathartic that could have been hit a little harder in my opinion. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I, I, Again, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about anything specific because I don't want to spoil it. But yeah, there's you know, and there's a little kind of vagueness to uh, Kyle Mooney's character. Like you're you're never really quite sure how old he is. I, I, I think they do say sense. at one point. Do they say his age? Because he has a teenage I th- sister. I think that they do. Okay, I, I just I, maybe I must have missed it, but it just never feels kind of fully um, cemented as to where this guy stands in time. And I don't know how familiar you've been with Kyle Mooney, but um, he, he's obviously on SNL and uh, he got kind of notoriety for, for his YouTube videos where he's playing. A, a, <laughs> it, it, it sort of reminds me of like a Steve Brulish character of a guy who is conducting interviews with people, but he's just mumbling the whole time. And he's just unintelligible and like it, there's that element of like trying to fit in and be cool, but having no idea what he's doing. Um, it's actually really funny. And, but it, it's one of those things where he got to be, it got to be a little one note. And I think that he adds if, for anyone who's seen those videos of him doing that character or version of himself, it's sort of like that in the delivery, but it's a lot more grounded, I think uh, because he is, a, he mumbles a lot in this and does that kind of thing. And, you know, he's, you know, just, just like funny things that, again, like Steve Brule would do, like, like making things plural when they shouldn't be plural and things like that. Um, just kind of like speech patterns like and stuff like, like that. He, I feel like he's done that on SNL. Like if you stay he up has. Like past. Okay. Then I have seen that, that sort of thing. But yeah, I, I, I it's one of those things I feel like it's, uh, you know, uh, like the Lonely Island, uh, you go, you know, you you see them on SNL, then you go back and look at their old stuff, and you're like, man, this stuff is really funny, or really, you know, uh, I'm really, I really enjoy it, and that's I, this is made with his comedy troupe, right? The what are they called? Um, I I don't know that they have a name, but yes, it's 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 made with uh, a guy who's also a director and writer on SNL, um, and then Beck Bennett, who's also on SNL, is part of there too. Anyway, what's your grade for uh, Brigsby Bear? Uh, I'm giving it a solid B. 
Yeah, I agree. I think it's a, a, a solid B. Like I said, I feel like it could be longer. I, I wanted to see more of this. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our next movie, Logan Lucky. Yesterday as you were leaving the bar, you said the word cauliflower. That's right. I didn't. The last time you said that word to me, I ended up getting sent down for six months. It was juvie. I was 13. And you were supposed to be the lookout, now weren't you? Being that I was your kid brother, I let you lead me into trouble with all your crazy cauliflower plans. My life of crime is over. But you did make breakfast this morning. Even burned the bacon like I like and you ate. I also saw you have some sort of robbery to-do list. I know this attempt to be organized is a big step for you, so go. Charlotte Motor Speedway. Two brothers attempt to pull off a heist during a NASCAR race in North Carolina. Now, I didn't see this, but you did. So uh, tell us about Logan Lucky, Cody. Yeah, uh, I don't want to spend too much time on some of these reviews. I, it's, you know, Logan Lucky is, for better or worse, a heist movie. And that's really all that it is. Uh, I haven't seen the Oceans movies, but from what I understand, they're, it's very similar to the Oceans movies wait, that wait Steven Soderbergh also did. Wait, you haven't seen any of them? No. Wow, how did that happen? Those were huge. Um, At least the first one was huge. Yeah. I don't know. I just it missed it evaded me. And then, and then once you haven't seen the first, you can't see the next two. So, the second one's really stupid. The third one is just sort of felt like they were all like, "Man, eh, we're not busy." Yeah, the first one. The first one's pretty fun. Yeah, and I I generally like heist movies. That's the movie where Brad Pitt is is literally eating in every scene. Oh, really? Have you heard that? Yeah, he's. I don't know if it's I have every not. single scene, but most every scene. He's eating something. Like that was something he wanted to do. Mm, like a like a character choice. Yeah. There's a there's a his intro scene I believe is him uh, teaching poker to uh, like Hollywood actors, and he's like teaching it to uh, Topher Grace playing himself, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the girls from Charmed that's not Alyssa Milano or Shannon Doherty. And I can't remember who else, but yeah, that's where yeah. popular culture was at the time that those were the two that they, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I need to watch them. I, I know, I know I've heard a lot of good things, but essentially it's like a, what people are calling it is like a hillbilly oceans 11, which, you know, I could see it's, you know, I, I think that the actors in it are great. Channing Tatum and Adam driver are really good. Uh, Daniel Craig is great. Um, uh, and it's you know it's it's just an, a heist movie that unfolds in in ways you would expect. I, I I think that you know like with any heist movie, I think that it starts a little slow, and then once the plan starts coming together, and then once the heist is actually underway, you get to see like the cool little parts where things come together, or their plans in action, or their plan working to perfection, or you know. So it, it hits all those beats. Um, I think it struggles a little bit in the comedy department. Uh, there's some legitimately funny parts to it. There's a great scene that I'll just spoil for people because who cares? <laughs> um, there's this great joke where where basically they're trying to um, – there's like a prison riot where they're trying to stall the guards in the, in the warden. 
And so they make their list of demands, and one of them was for uh, the Winds of Winter in like the the next Game of Thrones book as part of their demands. And um, and they're and, and so the warden's like they haven't been published yet, and the and the guards are like that's no that's impossible. It was supposed to be published two years ago, and then it leads to this really long drawn out conversation about how how like the 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 TV shows ahead of the book, so that's how someone else knew about the story and stuff. Like it's just it's a really funny gag um, that I that I really liked. Um, but the humor is just not quite there all the time. So for me, it's a sign of a good movie, but not a great one. Yeah. All right. What's your grade for Lucky? I'm sorry, Logan Lucky. Uh, B minus. B minus. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to our next movie, Wind River. All right, three, two, one. An FBI agent teams with a town's veteran game tracker to investigate a murder that occurred. Let me try that again. Three, two, one. An FBI agent teams with the town's veteran game tracker to investigate a murder that occurred on a Native American reservation. I didn't see this one either. Uh, man, you had a busy week. Too bad you didn't have your goddamn movie pass. I know, right? I know. Uh, I didn't see this one. You did. How's How's uh, Wind River? It's got Jeremy Renner and uh, Elizabeth Olsen, two of the Avengers. Oh, it does. I didn't even think about that. So, um, yeah. Uh, so this is being touted as Taylor Sheridan's directorial debut, but he it looks like he directed a horror movie back in 2011. So it's one of those like redo <laughs> movie debuts uh, that you see every so often. But Taylor Sheridan uh, wrote Sicario, wrote Hell or High Water. Um, and uh, it's Wind River is a really kind of quiet movie um, with with two really great actors um and jeremy renner is someone who is I, I feel underrated i don't know if it's just he has given performances in the past that i've really liked but um but for some reason so like, like he was in that movie um that, that nobody really liked uh that came out a couple years ago um i'm trying to think of the name uh it was uh, kill the messenger um oh, yeah we, we talked we reviewed that um yeah. yeah, which I thought he was great in. Yeah, I, I think the problem with Jeremy Renner was after, um, oh God, I forget the name of the movie, the his, the the you know the huge Hurt Locker, the movie. Yes, thank you. Gosh darn it! Uh, I think after that they tried to turn him into a leading man. You remember when he was supposed to uh, take over for Tom Cruise in uh, in? They tried to turn him into an action star. They they did it, and and really he was he was one where he had that awesome turn in um in the town where he was uh, uh I think he was nominated for that right yeah. yeah he was nominated for that uh and um and and a really great performance and and I I yeah and so that the born thing didn't pan out obviously he was sort of pushed to the background in the Mission Impossible movie too he's not even he's um, not even in this newest one. Yeah, yeah, where he was supposed to take the mantle on that one too. Um yeah. But um but yeah, I, I, this is the kind of movie that a guy like Renner can really shine in. Uh and I'm a big fan of Elizabeth Olsen as well. Um I think she's a really good actress. I think that in Martha Marcy May Marlene, that's where she kind of, you know, broke out and I think that she maybe has not had the opportunity to be as good as she is. And so I think this gives both of them an opportunity to kind of show their stuff. Um, and, uh, and it's mostly pretty good. Um, th- the movie plays out, uh, as a mystery for most of it. 
Um, and then it sort of does uh, a, a massive exposition dump that I, I still like. That's it's the one thing that that kind of makes me a little unsure about how good the movie really is because I didn't I just didn't like the way that it unfolded. Um, I think that the storytelling may be the biggest problem in this one, even though it's a good movie and I enjoyed it and everything that follows and even that the the scene where it intercuts is good too but it feels like it was it was just kind of like a mis, uh, mishmash of things that were shown at the wrong time and um and so uh, to me it, it kept me from fully enjoying the movie but the performances are great um it's super tense at times uh i like a good murder mystery which is what this is so um i i just wish that it would have unfolded a little bit differently all right, what's your grade for Wind River? B minus. B minus. That's two B minuses in a row, folks. Uh, third one, everybody wins a prize. So let's see what happens with our next movie, Step. Ladies, that was good. That was that was on point, but that was last year, right? Yeah. What's up this year? We taking it to the next level, right? Y'all ready? I want them to understand that this is way bigger than stepping. It's about not making excuses, making sacrifices, having a positive attitude. I know it gets tough. We're in Baltimore City. They come home to no lights, come home to violence in their neighborhood, not having food in the refrigerator, not having a refrigerator at all. But when they come to step practice, all of those things are erased out of their mind. So that is why they can succeed they can make it through step practice so they can make it through life three two one not everybody wins a prize really so sorry uh step documents the senior year of a girls high school step dance team against the background of inner city baltimore so uh cody i didn't see this one either what did you think of step so step was hinted towards uh being on my top five of the year so far list last week Uh, i can finally talk about it i saw this movie like two months ago um, so the details are a little sketch, a little sketch, but, um, I, I will say about this movie is that it does something that I think a lot of documentaries attempt to do and can't quite hit on the head, which is to have a documentary about a certain subject and make it relevant within context. So this is ultimately a, a documentary about a step a step dancing group in a city in a school in Baltimore where the idea is that all the kids there um they want to have 100% be accepted and graduate from college and that's really the tip of the iceberg even though that's what the movie's about because they're able to put the context of Baltimore in that so you get you get the um the sense of like uh, they're the first in their family to graduate from college for some people it's their only way out of Baltimore for uh, going to colleges um, and going to this school. It's a lot of like trying to avoid mistakes that family have made in the past. It's about, um, you know, there's a, there's a whole section in there where they do like a hands up, don't shoot dance routine. So it's about, um, uh, it's about uh, race relations. And so uh, there's a, it does a really great job of hitting a bunch of different, really interesting themes and topics but still making it about this dance team. And I think that that's the, that's the sign of a really great documentary is being able to show one subject, but the context speaks for itself. And it reminds me a lot about, uh, of undefeated, which was a documentary that came out 
a few years back that won the Oscar that was about a football team in Tennessee uh, who was just trying to win one game, but their coach it was like a it was like a all black school with a white coach, and uh, and just like the the relationships he had with them, and then you know football was their only release, and getting scholarships was their only way out of the community, and so like uh, it shows the cyclical nature of some of these things, and how this school and this program and all of that helps people break the cycle which um which leads to some really powerful stuff in the documentary and i just uh it's a little um it's a little i i won't say like it's like a fluff piece it's a little uh feel goody but uh it's really well done and i really really enjoyed it all right what's your grade for step b plus oh i'm sorry everybody cody gave it a b plus so no bingo no bingo all right that's gonna do it for this week got anything coming up you want to talk about cody uh yeah there's gonna be an alamo draft house screening coming up uh one of our famous draft house screenings uh it's gonna be august 28th uh, monday august 28th uh i am uh, excited to announce that we are showing kiss kiss bang bang Ooh, the uh val kilmer rdj uh, Shane yeah. Directed, right? Yeah, it was the it was the movie. What's that? Go ahead, go ahead. Well, it was the movie that basically got Robert Downey Jr. the role of Iron Man. Um, this was seen as his big comeback. This movie, and uh, it was directly influential in getting him the role. Um, and really, <laughs> we were having this talk on the other podcast that I do, Power Pals, about how great Val Kilmer is, and just kind of listing a bunch of his really great performances. And this is up there with some of his best work um, in this movie. I, you know, one of my favorite, um, and it's a terrible movie, but Val Kilmer is batshit crazy in it is uh, the Island of Dr. Moreau. Did you ever see that? The, um, mm-hmm. with Martin, uh, Martin, Marlon Brando. You saw that, right? I have not. Oh, there's, that's where the, the mini me uh, thing from Austin Powers is born from. That uh, mm-hmm. there's this like little person who plays like this. I, I don't know. He's just a weird sidekick to Dr. Morrow. But anyway, there's a scene where um, I believe it's uh, David Thewlis and uh, Feruza Balk are trying to. Uh, Feruza Balk's like a cat lady, and David Thewlis is like the everyman who came to the island. I can't remember what the, the his premise for being on the island is. And they're trying to radio for help, and uh, the radio is broken. And Val Kilmer is like the the island enforcer like he's just a crazy person on the island but he's in charge of like keeping things in order i believe and there's this they're like in this hut trying to use a radio uh and it's not working and he like leans in the window and says something like looking for this and he takes his hat off and there's like a piece of the radio sitting on top of his head Mm -hmm. and it's just the weirdest fucking scene (laughs) and that's it and then he leaves I I I I believe I'm remembering that 90% of me believes I'm remembering that exactly how it happened but there may be some details missing but either way he's got the fucking piece of the radio that they need like on top of his head and then he just taunts them with it and leaves like it's it's very bizarre and I don't know if you follow uh Val Kilmer on Facebook but he has some really bad shit weird things to say Yeah I've heard that there was someone who died recently and he talked about like the last time he met him or the first time he met him 
Did he, oh God, I, I wish I could remember who it was, but he talked about giving him a shoulder massage. Like, it's just weird stuff. But hmm. I, I don't think he's doing well, honestly. I think he has throat cancer or had some sort of cancer. Yeah, he had, he had, I think he had a surgery for throat cancer to be removed and they were, he was at their most recent Comic-Con and he was not looking good. And so like, he was looking so bad that like, they, uh, they either canceled his appearances, I think he, they canceled the photo ops and they wouldn't allow him to be seen in public on the floor. You had to like go into a a special room to get his signing. Oh goodness. Yeah, that sucks. Anyway, um... So yeah, kiss, kiss, bang, bang, not to bring you down. August 28th, uh, is that at Park North? That is at Alamo Draft House Park North, 7.30 p.m., five buckaroos, and that gets you uh, into the theater, and then that $5 goes straight towards your food and bevy. So uh, this coming week, uh, we've uh, I'm, I'm finally going to get to see Patty Cakes, so we can talk about that. Ooh. It'll, it, you will be the dividing factor bet- or divisive factor between Kiko and I we have very different opinions on that movie. I already know how you feel. Um, I'm not kind. Of, I'm kind of not surprised how Kiko feels, but I don't know. This is a, this is the trailer that I saw when I saw um, uh, the Big Sick, and it was that trailer and Ingrid Goes West that really intrigued me. I haven't seen Ingrid Goes West either. I know. I think I might have missed a screening for that, but that so last. Yeah, last week I sort of hinted at the fact that Patty Cakes had a low Rotten Tomato score, and it went up like nine points between then and now. So <laughs> I'm hoping that it keeps trending upwards. All right, so we'll talk about that next week. Uh, if you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at cinesnob.net. You can find us on Twitter at Cinesnob, Facebook, Cinesnob Critic. If you want to call us, you can do that at 920-FILM-210. That's 920-3456-210. And, uh, yeah, that's it, right? Anything else? I believe that's it. All right, I'm going to go watch some Game of Thrones. So on that note, I'm Jared Kingery. And I'm Cody Viafania. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob Podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.